What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, as per usual. And first off, sorry, we missed a week and that is my fault and I will happily hold my hands up. But we are back. Rob, how are you doing? It's been a while. I'm good, Scott. Feels like we haven't spoken forever, isn't it? Does It's only been a week, but sometimes when we have these little breaks, it feels like it's like two, three or four weeks, isn't it? But yes, I'm good, thank you. And the Manchester United universe continues and we're back in the middle of it. I've got to. I've got to say, and I'll be completely openly honest here. Um, I was on a holiday last week, and Rob and I did plan to do the podcast. But man, the the noise around United, everything around United, but losing to Brighton, Jaden Sancho, Anthony Greenwood, um, you know, the ownership, <coughs> Bayern, <laughs> everything was negative, and we planned to do. Uh, the usual schedule last week, but you know, I just, I needed a break and I'll be, I'll be completely honest. I could just have done without the negativity. So I was, uh, I was out in France, went to the, I went to watch Wales, Australia in the rugby world cup on Sunday. And it was, you want some negativity, look at Australian rugby at the moment, but uh, Wales with a, a record win over Australia on Sunday. Uh, so I spent a week in Nice, which was nice. And uh, then I'm back now, though. Let's just, I'm back now. Uh, and we're back talking about United with Rob. Subscribe, Revy. Get your podcast and watch us on YouTube as well. The Promise and the Manchester United podcast. Like the video, please. Subscribe and uh, leave a comment as well. And pop the notification bell on so you never miss a show. And follow us on the socials at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B on X and uh, YouTube and at Promise and MU on X as well. Uh, I have been engaging in the formerly known as Twitter sphere over the last few days about, but you can't escape the negativity really, but referees are doing my head in. I know you like, we we're not going to talk about that today, but, um, and all of the difficulty around United at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I've engaged in that a little bit. So give us a follow if you'd like, but today we're going to try and be positive. Hopefully, United 
qualify against Crystal Palace in the League Cup uh, through to the next round and it doesn't ruin this show as it is. Um, but we're going to try positivity today, Rob. We'll, we're going to do we're going to do positivity because that's what we do anyway, and balance because that's what we try and do. So even when people go, "Oh, Rob, you've been really negative about that," I am trying my best to bring it back to base level. And and I'm going to stick to my normal thing here, Scott. Like I know that we won the League Cup last year, so we go, "Oh, we won a trophy last year." I still don't care about the League Cup. Sorry, I don't. If we lose to Palace tonight, it's one less game in the weeks ahead. We've got so many injuries. I'd like us to come top four and maybe do better in those other competitions that have the glitz and the glamour. That's just me. Sorry. So if we do lose that tonight, shouldn't really affect our content too much because there's so much to talk about from the last few days. And I think there are some positives. So where should we start then in terms of positives? Um, Right, this isn't... no. No, let's start with positives, right? So I want to make this point to start with. Um, United's season has not started brilliantly. Let's, we, can, we can all admit that. We all know that. United have been torn apart by yeah. uh, Brighton in their most... No, they won in the Premier League at Burnley on Saturday. So that's that's good. They, they've actually won a game. They've, put, they've stopped the rot in a sense. But um, we haven't done a show since the Brighton game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had meant that United had lost to Brighton Bayern Munich in midweek last week as well in the Champions League, Tottenham and Arsenal away in the first few weeks of the season. Nobody seems to have pointed out that all of these teams are absolute darlings. Arsenal is the best Arsenal we've seen in 20 years. Yeah. Tottenham are the second coming. And Ange Postacoglu is an absolute genius. Brighton are everyone's favourite team, although they lost to AEK Athens a yeah. few days after. They just they have United's number. They they seem to, and nobody beats nobody beats Bayern Munich in Munich really, ever. So as much as the manner of the defeats are difficult, like throw throw that in the context of how many injuries United, how many players absent have United got, Rob? Well, I, I was working it out yesterday, and it's as many as up to sixteen if you include maybe to say the the three problem issues that you've had: Greenwood, Sancho, and Anthony. Obviously nothing to do with injuries, all to do with stuff off the pitch. Some of it on the pitch as well. But you've lost three players out of, out of that rotation. That Ten Hag absolutely, only six months ago, was expecting to be a big part of his rotation. So I think when you've got 12 or 13 proper injuries, players that have to then work their way back into contention, work their way back to fitness, it doesn't just happen. You know, we saw Varane come back. And we've been talking there about, you know, how do you now break Varane back in? You can't just give him 90 minutes in the next game and 90 minutes and 90 minutes and expect him to be healthy. So United had to deal with that. And I think that's a very, very real issue. When you've got injuries, what happens, Scott? You tend to lose your form. You tend to lose all those faculties that maybe you want to do well. So that's a lot of plays, isn't it, to be sure of. And I think we saw at Burnley that Ten Hag was having to reset stuff. And that's good. I was happy with that to see the players just doing their job again and trying to get a result as opposed to being the next darlings. Like we don't need to be there. We don't need to be one of those clubs. We need to just fix ourselves at the moment. Yeah. I mean, obviously United are going to play Palace, um, but that Burnley game, again, I saw that, oh, Burnley had loads of possession and they hit the post and and all this kind of stuff. Well, we let them. Yeah. That was the Um, job. I know. Uh, Mm. And what I think, for me, it, what was quite encouraging about it was obviously there was players in that. We'll talk about Rasmus Hoyland mm. a little later. We'll talk about Hannibal 
uh, a little later in the show as well because we do want to run through some positives. Johnny, Johnny Evans, good grief. Um, it. Johnny Evans. <laughs> he's he's going to be incredible. What a player. Like, <laughs> anyway, uh, United just needed to get that win. They needed to stop the rot. And even if they, even if they do go out of the cup to Palace, like you say, Rob, this squad is, it has mm. to deal with a lot of injuries. There's going to be a hell of a lot of games. There's Champions League matches coming up. In the League Cup, generally, you're even in round four, your chances of getting a big team like City or Liverpool or Arsenal or or something like that are quite high. And then you've got, how, like, how seriously do you want to take that? And then that's an extra game in midweek. You know, to me, if, if they, as long as they don't get absolutely smashed, which I don't think they will, hmm. you know, I... Let's hope it just doesn't carry over, and let's concentrate on the league. There's a there's a winnable run of games coming up in the in the league, and I think what United did at Burnley was kind of go back to go back to type in a sense, keep things and they kept a clean sheet, you know, keep things a bit tighter, narrow win, that's fine, build on it, you know. Definitely, I, I think in terms of performances. Um, United's best performances in terms of their stature and what they're trying to do on a football pitch, I still think were probably Arsenal and Bayern Munich. So you lost those games to, as you said, two darlings or two teams that expect to beat you. You know, they're they're in win mode, you're not. You're, you've got all these injuries. And I think in terms of the setup, United looked good in those games. They just couldn't really turn the screw in them. Like, look at the Bayern Munich game. Like, you go there, not many teams do score three goals at Bayern Munich. And if you'd said at the start of the game, you're going to score three goals, guess what, Scott? You probably want at least a point, don't you? Probably want to win that game. But I think when you look at the Burnley match, you just said they're about possession. I had lots of people tweet me about it afterwards, going, oh, the performance is to performance that. No. You have got an incredible amount of injuries. It is a genuine injury crisis, like proper. Like you haven't got players to play certain positions and you're having to manage that kind of game. Burnley, I think, did okay, but you let them have the ball in front of you. Yeah, they had 70% possession. But you know what? You got a clean sheet, you scored a goal and you won. That's it. That's all. Football's as simple as that. You don't have to be brilliant every game. You just have to manage the situation. So... I was all right after the Burnley game. I felt quite good about that because to me, Scott, I just wanted a victory, but I also wanted just to see that the players cared because the last week, as you said about negativity around the football club, all anyone's written is about how Man United's players are having a revolt. They hate Ten Hag. They hate the system. They hate the training. Blah, 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 blah. And then when we talk to people who are maybe central characters in all of this, it's the complete opposite. You hit the complete opposite. It used to be like volley as well. Oh, they hate Solskjaer. You speak to people at the club, they're like, players tend to like Ole. It's just one or two of them that maybe have got a problem. I think that's the same now with Eric Ten Hag. He's got a problem with one or two players. But I think the team showed at Burnley that they care. That is really important, I think, as we go forward, as we try and build and the players come back from injury. I think it's important to see through everything as well for what it is. We're, we're yeah. like, I work in media. Like, I, I know how this works. So you have, to, you, you know as well, Rob. Yeah. You know how all this works is. Oh look, Andre Onana. He dropped a clanger against uh, Bayern, wasn't it? He dropped a clanger against Bayern, and now he's dropped his keys. Oh my God! Let's get a hundred thousand. Let's get a million clicks on this article about him dropping his keys. Yep. That's unfortunately that in the social media age, the age of consuming content like this. Yep. Like that is United are the biggest team in England. And there is no getting away from that. I work for a website. The numbers do not lie. Man United are absolutely the biggest 
with Liverpool a second. This is the way it works for us. Man United are the most consumed football club here. Maybe that maybe in Spain and Latin America is Real Madrid, Barcelona, and that kind of thing. But in the UK, in Europe, it's United. So when you see things like Gabby Ogbonlahor says this about this, he's saying it to inflame you. He's saying it to annoy you because he knows that will drive interactions. Like yeah. when you see Andre Onana dropping his keys in the Daily Mail, that's because they want you to to, to enrage you to get yeah. you to click on their article. Like yeah. just don't engage with it. Like, don't engage with it. Don't, don't engage with it. it. Don't buy it. Like it, even it, Sky I, Sports Ref Watch. I, I'm I'm guilty of this, right? I did this over the, Dermot Gallagher going on. Let's talk about, about Ref Watch. Let's talk about it. <laughs> it, it, it. Like you know why it's there though? It's to drive interest in the Premier mm. League. It's to drive engagements in the Premier League. And mm. as much as you can fall into the trap at times, just like I just want to say, be zen. Try not to get involved in it. Try to detach a little bit. And you know why it's there. You yeah, know look, why it's I've, there. I've, I've, I've been working in the media now like well over 12, 13 years. And, and I've been a football fan much longer than that. And there's no doubt that in my football fan days before this, I would shout and scream at stuff. Referees, games, you know, you get upset. That's why I wanted VAR for many years because you think referees were, were useless. Now people think referees are still useless, don't they? And you've got VAR. But it's a funny thing, isn't it, about I think the, the industry itself and football as a, as a product has gone that way where the shouting and the screaming has become so amplified and has become a product in itself. And I think part of that is fan channels, no doubt, and the advent of fan channels and how they conduct themselves. But we have seen that big business and big corp have have done this look like together it's like oh yeah we see that there's money there so let's try and play that game a little bit more you just said about ref watch it's interesting isn't it because Dermot Gallagher is never really going to go against a referee because he's a referee you see it with Mike Dean now Mike Dean is now giving his expert analysis on soccer Saturday Mike Dean admitted only five minutes ago that last year he didn't give a VAR decision because his friend was the referee I think as soon as you say stuff like that, Scott, the credibility is gone. It's finished. Like you can't talk about these things anymore, but it's there to make you upset, isn't it? So I don't get upset about referees in the moment at the grounds. I might, you know, say something, scream at referee, ref, what are you doing? I've seen plenty of that in recent weeks, especially with handballs. Um, but that's what it is, isn't it? But I think in the media, you're right. It's, it's, it's designed to make you feel something. And if it makes you feel bad, then, then why do it? Like it's it's it, football's supposed to make us feel good overall, isn't it? And there's just so many things here which are tabloidy and push us towards feeling negative about what we do, isn't it? And about the game itself. So yeah, a little bit of dichotomy there of what what we're talking about. But yeah, it can be like that. As you said, we did the sh- last week when you were away on holiday. It was like we decided not to do the show because <laughs> it would have just been an hour of us doing negative stuff. And who wants to watch that? I wouldn't. Do you, like. I think I said this. I'm trying to get in my mindset of like a week ago where, oh, look, Ten Hag's been absolutely schooled by Roberto De Zerbi again. Mm. Why are we going to get Roberto De Zerbi? He's the one. This week. No, it's <laughs> no chance. Roberto De Zerbi would last 12, 18 months. Like at United, there are issues at United which need to be solved and need to be fixed, which stem far above Eric Ten Hag's head. We've known yeah. that for years. And I'm seeing like even the criticism of Ten Hag now. Fair enough, you can criticize at times some decisions he makes if you want to see him do his substitutions earlier. Fair enough. Like I, I, I get that. But I still think he's the right person to 
drive this club into the future and to take it forward. He's just had a difficult time. He's having to manage a squad with injuries and he's having to manage a squad with a bunch of players he doesn't want. And he's made it clear that he doesn't want them. It's not his fault that they weren't they weren't offloaded. And and, that, and that's I think that's thoroughly understood within the corridors of Old Trafford and Carrington. People, I, I, everyone knows that. What you just said there is the absolute truth. And that is that part of this is like injuries, no doubt about it. But the big part of it is that the players that you don't want and have told you don't want are still there and you're having to use them. That's a problem. That really is a problem. Like when you're thinking, well, maybe it's time to give Scott McTominay another go. That is a problem, isn't it? This is why I said about using the likes of Hannibal and the younger players, because they're still with you. They're the ones you want to develop for the future. Harry Maguire might well be playing games in the next week or two. Let's see where that goes. But you're right. It's a little bit as well. I was talking to someone at Chelsea yesterday and it's like the Pochettino situation. And now people are going, oh, maybe Pochettino's a bad coach, actually. Like, and you're going, well, hang on. This is the same issue Graham Potter had when Graham Potter was the hottest coach in the league at Brighton. But Graham Potter was a bad coach. No, these are not bad coaches. None of them are. Like, Eric Ten Hag's not a bad coach. People have been tweeting me, oh, he's got no style. I'm sorry, if you were the manager and you had 13 injuries, you'd have no style. So just suck it up and understand what's happening just because you feel emotional about something doesn't mean you're right. So I think the only pot- st- in terms of style, I just want to. There's a point there. The hmm. only style Eric Ten Hag has said that he wants to play at United. The, the line sticks out to me. I've said it many times. Best transition team in the world. They are not that yet, no. but that is what he's trying to do. Whether you disagree with that, like the the trouble is with Pep's Barcelona and Pep's. Man City that have had unlimited wealth and unlimited funds to go and become the most successful team in England and Europe. Now, obviously, they won the Champions League as well. Like, that is... That's the standard that everybody thinks. Oh, well, United need to play like that. They need to play like City. They need to have 80% possession every game and beat teams 3-4-0 every week. Mm-hmm. Like, when Pep leaves City, that ain't going to happen anymore. Like, it, it, no. It's just not going to happen. It's and maybe not. City will still end up being the best team in the country because they 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 run better than like ninety eight percent of clubs in the world. Probably, probably the best yeah. run club in the world, legal means or not. Um, but you know, it's unrealistic to think that United and Eric Ten Hag, with everything, look at the problems Ten Hag has inherited. Like it's really, really difficult for him to even get a style in place that is all dominating, all that kind of thing. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. So just be patient with it. And the, yes, yeah. the Pochettino-Chelsea thing as well. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The, the sky in the worlds of Manchester United and Manchester City are a totally different colour. Completely different. They're not, it's not the same planet. It's a different world. Manchester City live in one universe and Man United live in another. And a lot of that for United is, yes, self-imposed, self-inflicted. We know all this. This is why we've... We're dying, obviously, to see that that the uh, that the owners leave and that you get new owners. But this is why, when we talk about, let's say, Middle East wealth and sports washing and all of those subjects, funnily enough, obviously the the Saudi crown prince saying he doesn't care about sports washing, more than happy for it to be called that because that's what it is. So he's admitted admitted that that's all re- very well and good. But like you just said there about Pep and style of play, is that City have built this over many, 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 many years. Manchester United are still in year one and a bit here about building something. And I think that's the whole thing with Eric Ten Hag is that you, he, he can't get blood out of a stone here. He has to build it at the pace that it happens at. And if you you as a United fan want to get on his back because of those things, I think that says more about the fans. Like, I really do. Chelsea fans now going, oh, Pochettino this, Pochettino that. 
it was the same as what has happened 12 months ago. What, 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 why is it Pochettino and not, not your very rich owner who's just been managing it like a mon- game of Monopoly? So I don't know, Scott. Like I, I know it's the thing we see all the time in football, but I think at Manchester United, we, we need to kind of have that balance and understand that we're not that club at the moment and we haven't been that club for a very long time and that you're working with slim, slimmer pickings, I think, maybe than people understand. Because as you said, Manchester United are the biggest news story in the world every single day. Drop your keys, one million clicks. Just the way it goes, isn't it? That's that's football. I see Marcus Rashford. The price of Marcus Rashford's car is yeah. in the news again. Like as as angry as you can, you know. Yeah, it's designed to it's, it's designed to be there. It's, it's designed to make you feel like that. Um, and I just wanted to make a point here as well. Everybody lords Arsenal now. Everybody thinks, oh, look, Mikel, like, Mikel Arteta, what a job he's done, what a job he's done. They finished eighth twice. Arsenal finished eighth twice, right? And this, is, this isn't a Chelsea podcast, but this is to speak into Chelsea fans as well. Like, if you want your team to be successful, they ain't going to turn it round in 24 hours. People are looking at Postacoglu Spurs right now and saying, wow, what a team. There's been six games. Yeah. Six, six games. Yeah. They played one. They, they they played a dysfunctional United and they played Arsenal, whose midfield balances off. They got Liverpool now. It's different over thirty eight games. Yeah, if they come second, third, fantastic season. Yeah. But you know, all they've done so far is get a good feel feel good factor back and like a, an identity and a style. And yes, it, it is possible to do that. But long term, there's going to be lots of issues probably for Postecoglou to deal with, and Arsenal are now challenging Man City or challenged Man City last season. Arteta finished eighth twice and won a cup in his first season and then mm. had to get rid of a hell of a lot of players in order to play the style he wants to play. A bad eighth as well. Like they yeah. were bad, a bad football team with bad tactics and bad everything. And if you'd followed the, the formula, Scott, yeah, you'd have sacked Arteta in those moments. But Arsenal did the right thing, didn't they, by sticking with him? As you said, flavour of the month and like the darlings. And like, I think Arsenal have got different problems now. So like they want to win the title, don't they? They're going to be talking in that conversation. They're not in the Man United sphere anymore. <laughs> United now. You look at it, Liverpool slowly but surely creeping up the table. Like you said, it's only been six games. So you, you you hold fire on those things, don't you? But you look at that and you think problems there. Have Liverpool sorted it out? Well. No, they haven't. They've just done all right in six games. Tottenham as well. Nice to watch. But I do think with Man United, it's it's a case of here, you've got these injuries. What can you judge, Scott, until you get your squad fit? Nothing. You really can't get the players back. Then you can start judging style of play. You can start judging results a little bit more openly and a bit more succinctly. Sofian Amrabat has played about four minutes for United. Not Eric Ten Hag's fault, really, that they no. signed... Sofian Amrabat on deadline day. Like no. in his ideal world, he probably would have had him in before the three, four weeks before the season started when pre when preseason started, but that wasn't to be. Yeah. So eventually this is going to just be something that builds throughout the season. I like, to be honest, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't think United season's over by any means. I didn't expect them to get to win the title. I expect them to be in the hunt for the top four. I think I put them second in the preseason. Maybe they, they won't finish second. I don't think they will. But if you get in the f- top four or five, to me, it makes no difference if you come second or fifth or fourth. If, if no. As long as you qualify for the Champions League, it makes no difference. <laughs> it really doesn't. Uh, so I think United are still in the mix for that. 
you got Brighton going to Aston Villa this weekend. Tottenham are playing Liverpool. If United win their games and those two draw, they're close. They're a lot closer. And the, the pitch changes. It's about having a barometer for what is really success. And I think the thing is, I know everyone talks about trophies and thinks about just winning every week. And of course, that's what you want. That's what you're ultimately trying to achieve. But I don't think that's the way we can judge this, this football club, especially with the way we don't know with the ownership, what's going to happen. Are you going to have new owners? Are you not going to have new owners? What's Ten Hag working with? I still think now, Scott, at the end of this transfer window, that it started really well, this last transfer window, and, and it ended with a bit of a damp squib, didn't it? And I think that that really affected pre-season and I think that's affected this early part of the season because you've seen with the injuries that you haven't got coverage in certain positions. When everyone is fit, you'll probably be all right. You'll probably be a top four club. You'll probably beat most teams in the league, but you've got to wait. you just got to wait. You can't judge it at this moment. And yes, the, the squawk boxes will be there screaming about Man United losing games or not playing well. That's what they do that for. They do that anyway. They're going to do it whether Man United are good or bad. That's just what it is. It sells, doesn't it? So I'm quite happy to be patient. I was happy with what I saw against Burnley. And yeah, like I said, we might be talking, you might be listening to this now. We might have been knocked out of the cup by Crystal Palace. So what? What's more important is that we beat Crystal Palace in the league at the weekend. That's all I care about. That's where my brain is thinking about that game. These League Cup games, I do think, Scott, can cause you more problems than, than give you an upside like yeah you won a trophy last year but I don't get interested in it till till the last four that's it and then the rest of the time I'm just thinking looking at my watch right it's another game for Man United oh they've played 65 games this season now maybe the team's tired I'd rather that they just get through it it's gonna be a tough game otherwise you know because you're gonna have to blood some kids and that's the way it is you're gonna have to play players out of position do things you don't want to do well let's uh let's talk about that um Hannibal gets his chance at Burnley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott McTominay played as well, obviously. But Hannibal is getting... He played all right, didn't he? I think he... is. Has he now become... We, we know that Kobe's going to come back at some point. I think he's yeah. back in training and he, he'll probably be integrated back into the team. We was expecting that anyway yeah. uh, over the course of the season. But United, I think one thing that is evident that United do need is a bit of physicality and energy in midfield. Yeah. And Hannibal brought some of that. And quality. Like, the thing is, when we talk about kids, we always, I think, overlook the quality angle. So Hannibal was obviously on loan last year and did okay. When you look at his numbers, I was digging into his metrics at, at the in pre-season. And one of the reasons why I stuck my neck on the block and said this guy should now be starting is because that growth has to come into the first team. Like, if you sit on the bench week after week after week, guess what, Scott? Nothing happens. You sit on the bench. That's what it is. But I look at Hannibal and and I see a player. I, he's got energy. He's got determination. He's got grit. But do you know what he's got, Scott? He's got quality. That goal he scored, yeah, when he came on, like bad players don't put that ball in the top corner from there. It doesn't happen. So lean on the quality and develop that side of it. Like you just said about Kobe Manu. And, and I think that, you know, some of that will be a kind of roll of the dice with Kobe because he's really young. But like Garnacho, and I'll keep saying it, if you've got the quality, you can work players into your team, your rotation, your system. And then when you've got injuries, these players are ready. So I get the feeling that with Anthony being out for we don't know what extended period, that you will see Bruno Fernandes play on the right. And that's what will happen. People won't like it, but I think he does all right there. 
What a lovely volley the other day, showing what he can do in the right channel. He can absolutely do that role. But then you're going to need someone that can play a 10 role or an 8-10 role. And guess who that is? It's Hannibal. You've got Hannibal. And you've got Mason Mount coming back in, someone else who can play the 8-10. So I feel positive about this thing, Scott. And I think Hannibal, new contract potentially on the table very, very soon. I think he'll sign up. I want to see him play minutes. I don't want to just see him be on the bench every week and get five minutes here, five minutes there. I think he's good enough to start. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. the Premier League. So we've got Hannibal, uh, Kobe there. We just briefly mentioned. I mean, I don't know for sure when he's meant to be back, but like as, when he's back fit, he will be, I think... He's training. He's training. He'll yeah. be... I think you'll see him feature quite a bit because I think you put him really in that Garnacho bracket. And I know people are frustrated, actually, that Garnacho isn't getting as many minutes as they would hope at the yeah. moment because Marcus Rashford's hogging them all, Rob. And they're so greedy, that Marcus, isn't he? <laughs> but we uh, also Hoyland. Like, you know, we're talking about players there. You know, we should talk about Hoyland a bit. Let's do it because uh, Rasmus Hoyland obviously was brought in to be the number nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, has been injured, but got his first goal at Bayern the other day, a week ago, which was decent finish for United have not had a striker like United haven't had a striker for years <laughs> they really haven't, they haven't. No. Uh, incidentally I think Martial coming on to replace Holland in that buying game is the best I've seen him play for <laughs> about six months looked good didn't he uh, he did um, so maybe that's gonna drive him a little bit but Hoyland in himself I mean he just does the right things I think he he offers that extra physical edge that extra energy he was going to the Burnley game getting into scoring positions it was a a drive across the box which he didn't get get in contact with but you know if he had it would have gone in probably there was a header across the box from Rashford which Hoyland could have got the end of and and scored but it was cleared by a defender there's Hoyland chasing down the goalkeeper in the last few minutes just to put some pressure on yeah, and I've had, have not had that. I think that's really integral to what Eric Ten Hag is gonna uh, is gonna try to do with his team, and it'll add a hell of a lot in the final third 
And I think just from the first few games that Holland has played for United, he makes the right decisions and the right moves to suggest that he will get, he won't, maybe he won't get tons of goals for United, especially this season. Maybe he won't, but he will score. Yeah, I'm going to give him a big compliment here in terms of his movement because the player that he kind of reminds me of in Manchester United history and past, in terms of the way he sees the game and tries to play it, is a little bit like Carlos Tevez. So in the sense that he understands that his effervescence is important. So like, it's not like, as we probably with, you know, people call him Martial the mannequin, you know, at times when Martial will slow the game down because he's kind of just stood in the position or waiting for the ball, he's been told to do that. But I think when you look at someone like Hoyland, what I really liked in the last game or two and seeing them, him and Marcus is about how they set the trap. Now, I talk about setting traps all the time and people go, what are you talking about, Rob? What, what do you mean about setting a trap? And that is that in the press, you don't always just run towards the team that's got the ball. That's not pressing. You have to be able to time the trap. And it starts with the number nine. So the number nine has to push that ball into a wide area and then you get that sprint from the wider players. So if you've got Marcus on the left and say you've got Bruno on the right, that trap has to be like perfect. You have to practice it in training all the time. And what you see with this young lad is that he's got that. So I see that. And I, I, I think, yeah, you give him chances, Scott, in the box. He's like a number nine. He's going to play around the penalty spot a little bit more. He does kind of Harland things. I don't want to kind of like big him up that much yet. But like you said... If you haven't had a striker do that for so many years, guess what? Your whole team doesn't know how to play with the number nine. And that's really what we've seen, I think, with United recently, is that we've got all these injuries and trying to make things work. Imagine how Mason Mount is going to feel when he gets the ball as the eight. He's actually got striker running in that central channel a bit more. And he's got Bruno on the right and he's got Marcus with pace on the left. Then United can really be a transition team. Then you'll see better performances from Mason Mount, won't you? If Kobe Manu comes in, he can w learn around this system. So I, I like what I've seen from Hoyland in these earliest moments. I I'm not overly excited, but I look at it and I think, yes, there's something you can build here. I like that Marcus Rashford said the other day that they've been away from the training ground and talking to each other about what they both need in each other's games. Because that shows they, they care, Scott. It shows they want to be a success. And I like how they're trying to link up. I did say the Burnley game, that I thought they were looking for each other a little bit too much at times. Like, if Marcus is on the edge of the box, shoot Marcus, because you're good at that. You don't need to slide the ball into the nine. Have a go. But that's learning, isn't it? And I, and I think that these two, and also Bruno being in there, I think United have got a really nice attack here. And if Martial can give you 20 minutes a game, Scott, and give you proper 20 minutes, United will start scoring goals. I've got no doubt about that. Any word on Rashford? He's getting some criticism. Yeah, I think it's understandable because, again, I think up until, as I said, setting the trap in the last game at Burnley, Marcus does have this demeanour about him at times where it looks like he's not running. And I've called him a jogger before. And he does have moments where he jogs and jogs and jogs and it does infuriate fans. I understand that. But I actually think the thing that can help him most is looking inside and seeing a forward like Hoyland not jogging, actually setting traps and, and sprinting. And Marcus definitely was sprinting more in that last game. So you, you, I think with Marcus, he's told to conserve his energy by the coaching team because like, when he's done one of those sprints, he's knackered for five minutes. That's kind of how it goes in, in sport. Um, but he needs to be able to, I think, put on that press a little bit more. And United need to get back to that now, Scott, because we haven't seen that for weeks. The press has been non-existent. And United, the best games they played last year 
was when Casemiro was at his best, when Ericsson was at his best, and United were learning to do that press and they got that press on and it worked and they started winning games. So I've got no doubt that's where you've got to go back to. Get back there. And Marcus Rashford is a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, obviously the injuries, as we've talked about, you know, might limit how quickly you get back to that. I just wanted to say, um, as much, just reverting back to the top of the show, we were talking about fine margins and this kind of thing and how mm. people are so down about how United have started the season. Um, the Garnacho penalty shouts at Tottenham. Mm. If United has scored first there, it's a different game, possibly, hopefully. Yeah. Should I have my ten pence on that on 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 the referee? Well, decision? let me just let me just run let me Go just ahead. run through. Uh, I want to get I want to get along the lines of fine margins, really. Mm. You know the fine margins of the cutback for Hoyland's goal against Brighton, which wasn't given. Like I've got no issue with that. I think it was out personally. Um, yeah. But the Garnacho offside at Arsenal. Think of how different these conversations are if United's fortune had been. A little bit on the other side like every it just it is really happens in football everything seems to hit you at once it, even in life everything can hit you at once and you can feel feel like everything is just absolutely terrible at one point but it's just the way it goes sometimes and as much as you want to um get in this echo chamber of you know everything is awful everything's awful um you know take a step back a little bit even at Bayern, if they took the score, the, the <laughs> there was a goal. There was a goal opportunity the in the penalty. Palistri, right? The penalty, yeah, the penalty, exactly, yeah. That, in the first five minutes or whatever it was, if United score first, they play differently. That that totally. game is played differently. Yeah. So uh, and they don't have to chase and chase and chase. Or if Onana doesn't drop one through his bloody hands and it trickles in, you know, we're well in the game to that point. So I think there's just as bad as it can look. I don't think it is as bad as it's been making out uh, for Ericsson Haag anyway. There's there's other stuff around the club which is uh, which needs to be figured out. But if you mm-hmm. just isolate the team as it is, give him time, give Ericsson Haag time. Anyway, what were you going to say about referees? It's it's a penny in the pound, isn't it? It's his slim slim margins, like you were just saying there. It's so it's so it feels insignificant, but these little decisions are big decisions, and then they hurt you. We'll mention the Ericsson one there. You know that wasn't a penalty. That doesn't get given in anywhere but the Champions League. You know, it's his hands there. People say, oh, it was handball. Well, when you look at kind of what we're looking at in terms of proximity, it's about what is a penalty. And it's normally about proximity to where the ball is going as well. That's a big thing. Just say about it. So I think the Garnacho one is a penalty. It's definitely a penalty. And the one we saw there in the in the game against Tottenham in the, in the North London derby is also a penalty because yeah, of proximity. He, it's going in the goal. His hand is there. It's it, it's that's the rule. The rule states that it's about when where the ball is going. And that's a big part of it. With the Garnacho one, VAR said they didn't think the ball was on target. That's one of the things they said. It doesn't. That's ridiculous. His hands out here. It's going towards the goal. You can't decide if it's going just in or just out. You can't. So that's a, that's why there's a lot of frustrations around those things. I know fans get upset about it. But it does show what managers are working with, isn't it? And what Ten Hag's working with. Because United have been very unlucky with a lot of those VAR decisions. Um, it's about standard of refereeing, but that hurts you, doesn't it, then, as a, as a coach? I think Ten Hag's actually, again, held his decorum quite well in those situations. Because some managers would have lost the plot off the back of those, wouldn't they, with those decisions? Uh, 
And do you know what, Scott? They'll start going for you. In a few weeks, people will be going, oh, United, VAR, what do they call us? Varchester United. Oh, getting all, all of their, their decisions through VAR. It will turn back to us eventually because that's the way football goes. But it's also very, very frustrating, I think, and very, very slim pickings in terms of quality about whether it's a one moment that changes the game or whether it's your team. I've seen a lot of, oh, if Ten Hag had lost to Burnley, you'd have been under massive pressure. Like, where do you stand on on well, this? I, I, not to me, like, not at all. No way. He would have been pressure in terms of the media. So there's no doubt that you lose to Burnley, it all kicks off. Just like Chelsea, yeah? Chelsea lose at home their last game. Guess what happens? There's a witch hunt. That's what it is. That's 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 the world today, especially in football. Maybe it's always been like that, Scott, but it's just more amplified now. Um, but... I don't think anyone at Old Trafford thinks that. And I don't think the players think that. And I don't think anyone running the actual core of, of the club thinks any of those things because there are mitigating circumstances. There really is. And you have to be professional in that term, Scott. Like, yeah, if you lose games, eventually it will catch up with you. It doesn't matter who you are. Happens with the best coaches in the world. Happened like with Jose Mourinho at both United and Chelsea. Eventually, things will catch up with you, whoever you are but you've got to get it all back on track. And I think Ten Hag, for me, at least in that Burnley game, he got the tactics right again. He played a, a conservative system. He went back to his basics and his core and made his players work for it. And he got it. And I think in the earlier games, maybe United were thinking more expansively. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're going to be title contenders this year. Let's you know we'll watch us how play brilliant football for 10 minutes and then watch us play terribly for the next 80. I think you need to move away from that. You need to get away from that thinking. You know, the world shouldn't be about Jaden Sancho. You know, do you think anyone at the training ground today is talking about Jaden? No, they're not. They're talking about winning a football match. They're not worried about one or two players. So I think Tenog's doing a good job of all of that. And I, I don't think that what could you get, Scott, if you just if you sacked him, did a Graham Potter, then your season's wrecked, isn't it? So wouldn't it be better to keep the guy that did well last year? And give him a bit longer. So I don't think his job's at risk at all. I think that is absolutely paper talk, absolute nonsense. What United needs to do is get players fit. If you do that, I think it'd be all right. Um, just mentioned Sancho there. I mean, hmm. yeah, this situation isn't good. Uh, just wanted to, Rob and I just wanted to say something about the latest with him. Like, hmm. I. You know where, where I stand on this. If you listen to this pod, he needs to, it's on him to kind of reintegrate, to do what's necessary to reintegrate. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And Eric Ten Hag has standards to uphold and discipline to uphold. So this is, as far as I'm concerned, with how Eric Ten Hag's played this straight back, it is completely the right decision. And if that means Sancho doesn't play for United again, <laughs> I mean... Yeah. What's more important, I think the discipline is personally. Um, I'm seeing again, and you're seeing over the last few days, oh, Jaden Sancho's playing uh, EAFC uh, until 3 a.m. just because mm-hmm. somebody's put a screenshot of somebody with the screen name Sanch10 or something like that on on social media. Mm-hmm. Has that been verified? Is that... no? Just this is this is the only thing I wanted to say. It could well be Jaden Sancho, but is he is he Twitch streaming? Do we know it's definitely him? It's been reported as essentially fact on Twitter that it is him. Now 
I don't know the space all that well, but I don't see him doing it. All I see is a name. Could be anybody. Again, it is absolute nonsense. So in isolation, if Jaden Sancho is playing games at 3am in the morning, that's wrong. And that's wrong for all players, all professionals. Like you should be getting yourself physically and mentally ready to go and play football for your football club that pays you hundreds of thousand pounds a week. But, and this is the, the, the but is really important in all of this, is that we don't know if that is true. We've looked into it and there is a higher probability that it's fake and it's false. And what happens? And this is the thing that I, I worry about, Scott, is that I've seen a ton of journalists take to Twitter and condemn the player for it, all knowing that it might not be true. So what are you lot doing? So like this is this is the way I look at it. Is that kind of that's the balance, isn't it, of reporting and what on opinion? And yeah, I agree. No one should be playing games at three a.m. in the morning. But as you said, it's a screenshot that quite easily can be manufactured and put out there. And guess what? It gets hits and clicks, doesn't it? It becomes a tabloid news story. So today they're running Sancho up at three a.m. in the morning. You don't know that. It's not you just don't know that you don't know it's him. There's not there's no irrefutable proof there. So I get I think again we can't lean on that stuff. I don't think we should because it is pathetic. It is pathetic because people just think because it's on Twitter it's true. That is yeah. That is how and that's just, that's it in a <laughs> nutshell. You know, it's like a politician says something and and people say oh it must be true. No, they might be lying. It might not be real. It might be completely fake news, but it's up to you if you believe it. So Jaden Sancho's stock is very low at the moment. Very easy to believe that he's playing FIFA at 3am in the morning, isn't it? He might well be. And I think a lot of them do. I've heard this, that footballers, one of the big epidemics in the game is players with their consoles in their rooms playing games till very late at night. That's not a Jaden Sancho thing. That is a thing in professional football. These young players playing until two, three, four o'clock in the morning when they should be getting ready to play games the following day. So, um, yeah, I think, again, it's just nonsense, Scott. And it's just, I think it's sad that grown-up men and journalists are, are on Twitter banging away at it, saying, oh, this, that and the other about him. You don't know it's true. So maybe, like, just reserve judgment for five minutes. That's not the way the world works, Rob. It's the way the world should work. Like that's that's this is the whole thing about an aspirational world, isn't it? Is that yeah, something like Twitter, it's all about reaction, isn't it? And we we all live and live part of that. That's part of our industry. But you know, people will believe what they want to believe as well, and that is the problem. Is that you know, if you if you did that story about another player who's popular at the moment, it doesn't get traction, does it? You know, if someone scoring tons of goals and they're playing FIFA at 3 a.m., no one cares. It's like, oh well, he shouldn't be doing that. It's not a story anymore. Jaden Sancho, it's obviously a story for the, for all the wrong reasons. I would like this to be resolved. I think it is on Jaden Sancho to, to resolve it. And yeah, completely agree with how Ten, Hag is, uh, how Ten Hag is approaching it. But just don't believe everything that you... Just don't take everything that you read for face value, is all I would say. Anyway, uh, yeah. let's finish the show with... Um, a quick word on the second coming of Johnny Evans, or is it the second coming? Is it the f- the second Man United coming of Johnny Evans? Anyway, what a what a fantastic <laughs> footballer, Rob. Well, I was a bit nervous when I saw starting a game against a team like Burnley and kind of how they play with their possession with Lindelof and Evans. But I'll be honest, I was more worried about Lindelof and still remain more worried about Lindelof and always will be because there's always a rick in him. 
Johnny Evans was fantastic in the game at Burnley. He, his goal was unlucky not to stand. I still think that's a weird rule, Scott. You know, the interfering with play rule with the, with the striker. Like, he's in front of the goalkeeper, but he's not he's not in the line of sight, which is what the rule used to be. Um, so maybe that should have stood. He got done by VAR there. But the, the pass to Bruno Fernandes, I was more excited about the pass than the goal. And that's not because Rob hates Bruno. It's because I know Bruno can finish that. If you put him on, put that on his foot, Bruno Fernandes puts that in the back of the net. That pass was what we've been dying to see from midfielders and defenders at Man United for a while. He got his head up. He clipped it. It was perfect. And Johnny Evans can do that. And do you know what, Scott? He was doing it back in the day as well. That's why Johnny Evans was lauded by Fergie. I saw a few people uh, tweeting me going, oh, Johnny Evans was awful at Man United when he played for United first time and he's awful again. He'll be awful again. I think there's a problem as a 35-year-old being a starter. Like, I don't think that works and he can give you minutes. But he wasn't awful when he was at Man United first time around, Scott. He was one of those players that held United together when, say, Rio Ferdinand was out of the team. And someone like Johnny Evans would have these kind of, like, Maldini type games where he was controlled from the back and you'd be like, he's a really good player, this 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 lad. He's good. So not the second coming, but pleased. And I think he will play minutes this year. And that's why I said a 12-month contract for him was more than appropriate because if you don't want Harry Maguire and you clearly don't, you do need one or two extra defenders. And uh, I think Johnny Evans on the left, yeah, he's he still got it. You saw it with that pass. He can still do it. Just whether he can run, I don't know. The age thing is a obviously a concern yeah <laughs> but you just said something there about somebody saying oh johnny evans isn't any good hmm. uh this is from 2019 but just listen we decided to buy laporte we talked with him and we were close evans that is we didn't arrive at a deal maybe an agent situation after that we decided to spend more money the age laporte was younger and it was not a bad decision i don't think we'll go back in that's pep guardiola talking about johnny evans yes. in 2019 so i know that's four years ago but don't do Johnny Evans a disservice. He's had a good career. Um, probably should have been at United longer. Probably should have been at United the whole time, really, hmm. um, given what he achieved. Uh, he played in a good Leicester team before they got relegated, obviously. And yeah, I think he's the fact that he's there now to add a bit of experience and a bit of context for maybe some of the younger generation who don't know, especially with De Gea going, like don't know what United were. And Rio Ferdinand was talking to Johnny Evans about this after in his post-match the other day. Mm. What's changed and this kind of thing. Well, you need that kind of somebody like that in the camp to be able to maybe reinstill some of that mentality. Anyway. Yeah, I, I think one of Johnny Evans' like superpowers is that he's a fantastic trainer. Like he really is. Like anyone you've ever known speak or train with him and managers is that they say that is that he brings the standard to the training pitch every day. Now I don't think Scott that's going to translate into like world class performances. As you said there, I do remember when Johnny Evans playing for Northern Ireland when there was that game against Argentina, wasn't it? I think it was against Messi. And he absolutely schooled Messi. Like, he stopped Messi touching the ball all night. Now, that was a long time ago. But that player is still in there somewhere. It's just whether he's got the legs. So, you know, I can't rely on him to boost the season. But it does show that if you needed to change things because of injuries, I think on the kind of cheap short-term deal that he's on, it buys you some time in that position, doesn't it? I don't really want to see Luke Shaw move back inside. Like, he played well there last year. Everyone's very high and regular on after five minutes of football, aren't oh, they? Can we stop this? By the best, way. best, best left back in the world. Oh, look, he's like, oh, and it's like, yeah, okay, he's going to get done behind. 
in the next game or two because that's what happens to regular and that's why he didn't get picked by certain managers but when Shaw is back I want to see Shaw play at left back and it means that Johnny Evans can then cover for Lissandro in that position as an injury or potential for bench I do think as well that the days of Lindelof and Maguire especially Maguire are over like uh, you we talk about manager not wanting players he doesn't want Maguire and Maguire might have to play in the next few games because you've still got injuries. So, yeah, Johnny Evans, well done to him. And I think he's just doing what I believe he can do. Like, this is well within his his skill set. Uh, and he did really well against Burnley. Uh, he was man of the match. I think it was ridiculous that they gave the man of the match to Bruno because of the goal. For me, Johnny Evans was man of the match. And Bruno gave him it afterwards. Bruno went, you're man of the match, mate. Uh, just to... um quick word on Regulon before we wrap up hmm. I want Man United to have a transfer strategy I can't believe them. they're so desperate they need to sign a left back from Spurs who can't go in the team on transfer deadline day three games in oh my god he's amazing let's sign him permanent come I on know. guys honest to god honestly yeah I know and, and that's part of the problem with I think with loans because he, he's definitely come to the club with the right attitude no doubt about it he sees it as an opportunity he, you know he runs and runs and runs and runs the manager lauded him the other day saying he was sick and still insisted on being available that's great because that's what you want isn't it is it your solution well I think you've got a really good left back already and you've got Malassia maybe Scott in the summer next year if you like Regulon maybe you sell Malassia and maybe you buy Regulon at a cheap deal, but he's not your first choice, is he? He shouldn't be because he's not first choice at any other top teams, really. So um, I think you're going to miss out a lot this year. I don't want to talk too badly about Delo at the end of the show, but I'm worried about Delo on the right because without Wambasaka doing that inverting thing, it does hurt United already. I've watched that a lot. I'm going Tactically, that's going to be difficult. Delo and Lindelof on that side of the pitch does not fill me with confidence. This is a positive show. Stop it. Anyway, yes. Uh, but Maguire's going to be back there in a minute anyway, so we'll be all right. Or right, Varane. We'll be... Fingers crossed. Don't get injured, Rafa. Please. Yeah, he's back. Hopefully. Uh, anyway, that is a different... We didn't really speak about anything specifically there. Just um, a bit of more general take for you. I know we've had a week away. We'll be back though later this week. Um, we'll do some shows to make up for the fact that we we did miss a week. So um, keep an eye out for those. Keep an eye out on the socials at double underscore Scott Saunders on X, Instagram and TikTok at underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube and at promise and MU on X. I've just called it X the entire time. Uh, subscribe to this show wherever you get your pods and watch us uh, on YouTube as well. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment and hit the notification bell. Uh, Rob, final word from you. No, it was going to, I was just about to do a plug as well there. Um, my, I did a video on Amrabat and about why he could become Man United's most important player this season. And I wasn't overstating that because I do think if you get that 6-8 right, Scott, for the rest of the season, I think you can really build around that, maybe take some heat off Casemiro in terms of what he's having to do. Uh, we didn't, we've not talked about Casemiro. How do you think he's played, Scott, just before we run away? I think, again, this is... Um... Well, nothing's changed for me, Rob. I, I don't mm. think I don't think you find a midfielder in the world, really, who can <laughs> do what Casemiro has been asked to do in the first two weeks of the season. Yeah. I don't think you can. Yeah, I, 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 I'm hoping Casemiro should be protecting the defense personally with yeah. more protection around him. But I don't think you find a midfielder in the world unless you're Angolo Kante of six years ago, and he, even he was not that kind of player anyway. I don't, you can't find that player. 
personally. They don't exist, do they? They don't they exist. And I think Casemiro is aging. Like I think I think he does look like he's getting old quick. Like, he does. That's but... that's. But I do think that if you put Amrabat next to him, then you might be able to eke that out and actually make it work. Do you know what I mean? If you don't go that way, then Amrabat might end up being the solution. That's what I called the video, the Amrabat solution, because I think that's might be where you go in the six eight. Is that if Casemiro does keep getting older as quick as he is? then you've at least now got one player who isn't a number six, but can look after that area of the pitch and still progress the ball. So I'm excited to see what happens with Amrabat in the next few weeks, because I think he could be an incredibly important part of this, this team now moving forward. All right, that is it from us. We'll be back later this week, everyone. Uh, go check out Rob's channel and uh, subscribe to our channel as well, if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you soon for another Promised Land Manchester United podcast. Thank you very much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.